It's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Coming up in just a few minutes in today's Clark Rageous Moment, my heart aches about what's coming out about Boeing and some of the stuff that's gone on that led to the loss of so many lives in plane crashes recently. And I want to give you some new update on that in today's Clark Rageous Moment. And later, there is apparently going to be some kind of strike by Uber and Lyft drivers. I want to tell you what that has to say about how the economy is performing today and what it means about gig economy kind of jobs and how that affects you as a customer. Talk right now about being a customer of one of the cell phone carriers. T-Mobile has done some very unusual out-of-the-box things in order to attract people to their cell phone service and then to keep them. And they have what's known as a churn rate that I think is the lowest anybody's seen before where people don't really seem to leave them in any meaningful numbers. They lose less than 1% of their customer base in a month these days. So T-Mobile, and you may be wondering, what does this have to do with a cell phone? T-Mobile is now offering a checking account to its customers that is an online bank account, and T-Mobile Money is the name of the account, and the checking account that has no junk fees pays an interest rate of 4%, which is pretty extraordinary. Before you get too excited, it only pays 4% on the first $3,000 you have in your account, which for most people is more than most people have in an account. But if you're somebody with loads of money, it becomes a yawner for you pretty quickly because you earn that 4% just the first $3,000. But the key about T-Mobile Money is that it is a loyalty program for people that are T-Mobile customers where you get a no-fee checking account and then your idle cash in your checking account is earning 4%. They don't have normal junk fees. There's no overdraft fee unless you overdraft a significant amount. Big network of free ATMs available for you. And they have one of those piece of trash, I don't know if it's a fake Visa or fake MasterCard, tied in with the account that you can have. But we're in a new era where you're going to see more and more offers offering better money. Like if you look for an online savings account right now, the interest rate you'll earn, if you look around, will be about 245 2.50%. Which is a big improvement over what we've been seeing in the past. Now, if you are with a traditional bank or you're with one of the four giant monster megas, which you may not know who the they are, they're Bank of America, Chase City, and the uh, criminal enterprise impersonating a bank known also as Wells Fargo, the four of them account for about half of banking in the United States. And they pay you basically zero on your idle cash. So don't be a creature of habit. Look at the opportunities available. If you are someone who has 
a decent amount of money sitting around, you should be looking at what you can earn on your money through one of the discount brokers, through what you could earn in a treasury fund, or if you're in a very high tax bracket, what you can earn in a municipal money market fund where you don't have to pay federal tax on the money you're earning on your idle cash. This is a time that is different than what we've had in recent years, really going back to after the banking scandals last decade, when the Federal Reserve purposely pushed down what you could earn on your money as a saver to try to reflate the economy. Now the economy is doing very well, and as a result, it is possible again to earn some money on your savings. And it's your money. If you have it sitting in a bank earning basically nothing, why would you do that? Why would you do that? Get to work getting your money working for you. If you are someone who is a creature of habit, it's hard for you to break bad habits like doing business with a big bank. At least set up an online savings account and link it to your account at the big bad bank. And then you can migrate your savings out of the big bad bank to the online bank that's going to pay you real money. And then when you need money in your account at the big bad bank, you can rotate it back in at no cost, usually on two days notice. So take care of yourself. Don't let the banks take advantage of you. Chris is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Chris. Hi, Clark. Thanks Thanks for having me on. I'm a big fan. My sister turned me on to you about a year and a half ago, and I've been loving it ever since. Well, thank you very much. You have a very important question to ask me about the risks involved in helping out one of your kids. Yeah, so my son is a is a freshman in college, uh, about a thousand miles away. I guess it you call Sleepaway College, and um, they're in the dorm right now. Uh, but they have three friends together that the four of them want to get an apartment for next year. The school generally, you know, only encourages the dorms for one year there. And um, the, the problem is, is that you know there are a bunch of nineteen year olds that have no credit. Uh, a couple of them have part-time jobs, but really not enough to probably qualify for anything. So I'm being asked, along with a couple of the other parents, to be co-signers. And, you know, normally I'd shy away from something like this, but I, I don't know any other options. Yeah, it is an impossible situation to be in. Because the, as parents, you're going to be expected to co-sign on that lease. And you're at risk... If, let's say, one of the four students drops out of college mm-hmm. or moves back home or something like that and doesn't keep up their end of the bargain on paying their portion of the rent, the rest of you are fully on the hook for that portion of rent. So you're both individually and collectively liable for the rent. So, yeah, that's what I thought. I thought, you know, I mean, in a worst-case situation, if everybody walks away, I'm still on the hook for it. That is completely the fact. Okay. So, you know, it's a question of going in with your eyes open mm-hmm. and knowing that, in addition, 
to being responsible for a portion of rent of somebody who's a late pay or a no pay, you also could have your credit potentially impacted. Got it. So what I suggest in a case like this is that the, the four sets of parents do a conference call together. Okay. And not just rely on the four college students that since the, the four sets of parents are the ones that are going to be on the hook for this, talk uh-huh. it through as parents just so you can size them up. Got it. And Got it. You can all size each other up. <laughs> you'll be able to tell, uh, not with perfection, but you'll be able to get some kind of feel if the other parents feel committed to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just didn't know whether it was, I, I don't remember in my own situation, that was a long time ago in college, and, and I, you know, I probably did the same thing, but I, I just didn't know whether there was a way around that. I'm old enough that when I signed a lease when I was 18 for an apartment in college, I didn't have to have a co-signer. I was working full-time while I was in college, but they didn't require any kind of co-sign yeah. for my lease. So, But that was, that was a long time ago. You know, We used to have to try to avoid the dinosaurs and other such <laughs> velociraptors and all that when I was going around. It was so long ago. But that is, I mean, your concern is completely valid, is that you would be responsible and you just got to be prepared for the possibility that somebody doesn't meet their end of the deal. Eric's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Eric. Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Certainly. So you're going to buy a home. Well, that's the plan. Uh, But I have an interesting situation I'd love to get your take on as I lead up to that. Okay. So, so here it is. I have a few credit cards, and I have a very high credit score, a very low utilization score. Uh, so that is all fine and dandy. The issue is I'm thinking about getting another card just to mix things up a little bit and maybe get some rewards. But I've read from you and others that there are some downsides to doing that too close to purchasing a home, requesting new credit. So I wanted to ask, in general, do you have a rule of thumb for how long before a home purchase, you should apply for any other sort of credit, or in this particular case, if you're not going to get much of an advantage doing so, other than whatever rewards or points the card is offering. No, you're okay as long as it's more than six months out from when okay. you're going to be applying for the mortgage. Okay, wonderful. That was my main question. Yeah, Thank the you. real the real harm that hits somebody is, let's say you're going to buy a, a home later this year, and you decide, you know, I'd like a new vehicle. And you go apply for a new vehicle loan, and and uh, you're in a store, and they say, hey, would you like to save 15% on your purchase today? How about applying for our store credit? You know, when you right. apply for new lines of credit or you take on a new obligation like a vehicle loan, and you do it close to when you're taking out the mortgage, that's when you get eaten up. That's wonderful. I will put down six months. We'll see how it goes. Thank you. All right, and good luck with the whole home buying process. Have you signed up with Credit Sesame or Credit Karma? I have indeed, both of them. All right, great. And do you know why I always ask that of somebody who's buying a home? I don't for the home purchase part. This is new for me. So specifically for a home, I want you to be able to continually monitor your credit as you get closer and closer to when you're going to apply for a mortgage because 
You don't want something coming out of nowhere, like a unpaid bill from a doctor's office or something, to come in and foul up your mortgage application or lead to you having to pay a higher mortgage interest rate because it's something that snuck up on you. And so being able to continually monitor your credit with Credit Sesame or Credit Karma, you're able to avoid the pitfalls that would come from somebody saying, wait, 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 what's this that you did? You're going to know and you're going to be able to deal with it before it becomes a problem or before it becomes something that gets in the way of you being able to get that mortgage you want to have. It's time for today's Clark Rageous moment, and it just makes my heart ache when I think about the senseless loss of life in two crashes involving the Boeing 737 MAX. And when I tell you what the Wall Street Journal and New York Times have both found out about with Boeing, the malfeasance is just shocking from such a respected American corporation. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. So, Wall Street Journal reports that Boeing knew about a safety alert problem on the MAX for a full year before they told the FAA. A full year. And then it was only after the second crash, four and a half months after the first one, that Boeing then fessed up to airlines that flew the MAX that there was a problem with the safety system, the software error in the aircraft. This is unacceptable. And it is stunning. You know, Boeing is such a politically powerful corporation, and there's an element of crony capitalism involved in this where the regulators allowed Boeing to self-certify the plane is being safe. This is why safety authorities in other countries no longer trust the FAA in the United States to say that when the software update is supposedly done and tested, that in fact the plane will be safe to be back in the air. This is very, very distressing you know, Boeing is a huge contributor to overall uh, economic activity in the United States, but there's something rotten at the core of Boeing that they not only put unsafe aircraft in the air, knew the planes were unsafe, and kept that a secret, including from the regulators. You know, it's my belief there should be a especially in paneled grand jury, to see if any officials at Boeing should be charged maybe with manslaughter for the loss of lives in this case. But the real question comes, how do you rebuild public confidence when a company has flouted safety in such an extreme way and after the initial crash made a lot of noises blaming the airline and saying that maybe the pilots weren't trained well, rather than owning up to the fundamental flaws in the aircraft. So 
And, you know, I fly virtually every week, and I know that I'm safer in the air than I am driving to or from an airport. But this is sloppy, this is careless, and it costs people's lives. And so in order to restore faith in the company and its product, there needs to be a full independent investigation of Boeing. Because otherwise, let me tell you, the airlines that fly it in the United States, Southwest, American, United, right now, you think when this plane goes back up in the air, if it's still foggy as to whether or not the plane is safe, do you think people are going to want to get on that plane? Then in any way. I mean, it's in Boeing's best interest that there be an independent investigation to make sure the plane really is safe to fly. Glad you're here with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. And our website, Clark.com, you look for deals, check out ClarkDeals.com. So there's movement this week to have another one of those Uber and Lyft strikes. I think the last couple of times they've fizzled out, but this one the drivers seem maybe a little more focused on, and the drivers are going to strike Wednesday uh, for a couple of hours and hope that other drivers will follow them. And these strikes are about bringing attention to what the drivers say are poverty wages that they're getting from Lyft and Uber, particularly with some changes and the formulas for how drivers are paid. So I use Uber and Lyft, and my wife uses Shipped to get groceries, and there are all these different services where gig economy workers are doing the work. And, you know, Lyft, that had its big initial public offering, people who bought into that saw the shares nosedive. Why? Because every time somebody rides in a Lyft, Lyft is basically giving you money. They're losing money on every ride. Uber, losing money on every ride. Pretty much every one of these gig economy companies that does something where they're helping us in some way in our lives, they're all losing money. And so you think about what a cab ride would have been somewhere, and then how little by comparison an Uber or Lyft is, somebody's paying for that. And in the case of Uber, once it goes public, in the case of Lyft that is public, the stockholders are getting clobbered. Every time you get in one, they they should pay you not to get in one. They could lose less money. And then the workers, you know... I did for, on the TV side, I was a Lyft and Uber driver, and the money was not particularly great that I made. And I know you get better at it, you learn how to make more money doing it, but it was not a great living. It was a great experience to do it, because I love talking to people, and so I got to talk all day, you know, that was fun for me, but... As far as a way to 
to put food on the table, not so much. And I talk to Lyft and Uber drivers every time I'm in one. I talk to the drivers about their experiences, what it's like. And so at some point, something's got to give. Because if companies aren't charging enough to keep the doors open, eventually they fail. Not that I'm predicting an imminent failure of either of these companies, but the idea is that if they're not making money for their stockholders, what's the point? And if people doing the work aren't earning a living, what's the point? The real question is, can the companies actually make money? Will you actually ride with them? And will the drivers make a decent living? Will the fares still be at a price that you would do it? You know, if I get in an Uber and it's $8 to go somewhere and a cab would have been 30 am I going to do it if the fare has to rise to 20 so the stockholders can make a return on their money and the drivers can earn a decent check? Who knows? I don't know the demand's the same. And that's the issue with any gig economy business is where you're treated in this never-never land where you're not considered to be an employee and you are, in almost all circumstances, considered to be an independent contractor. You can choose whether to do the work or not. And that's why a lot of people used to work for some gig economy company but don't anymore, is the marketplace ultimately will sort this out. In the meantime... There are some people that are sore, that are angry because they're not earning what seems like a decent wage for the hours worked. The good news today is that if you feel that way, if you're working, let's say you're an Uber driver, a Lyft driver, and you feel like they're just burning up your wallet, they're not really paying you a decent amount of money with where unemployment rates are now in the United States and job growth, go see what other opportunities are out there where you feel that your talents and your hours are more respected than they are right now. Dan is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Dan. How you doing? Hey, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you. So That's great. Dan, I am really glad about your call. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can't believe that it happened. I've, I've sold a couple cars online over the years, but I've never had a scam like the one I had last week. I didn't get caught, thank gosh, because, you know, I'm a, I'm a car trained, but uh, it, was pretty, it was pretty interesting. So share with your fellow listener, because this is one that is spreading. I don't know if it's spreading like wildfire, but it definitely is spreading, and people should know. So start at the very beginning. What happened? Sure, yeah. I put my car on a you know, well-known website that sells things that I've done many other times, and I knew I was going to get some scams on it. Um, so I could kind of tell, you know, because they're not, they don't have proper grammar and all this, but I got an e- a text from somebody, and he started the conversation with me back and forth, saying I'm interested and asking some questions. Uh, the grammar was great, you know, no, no, no misspellings. And uh, so we went back and forth. He goes, I'd like to see it. I'm a half an hour away. 
and his uh, area code was from you know, a local a local area in Florida. And so uh, I said, sure. He goes, we can meet at, at a bank, or we can meet someplace else. And I said, well, I don't want to meet at my um, at mine, my credit union. But you know, can we meet at yours? We'll give me the name of the Monster Megabyte Bank to meet at, which is right down the street. And I said, okay, we can do that. And, uh, and then he finally says, my name is Stuart. And then he says, uh, but uh, can you send me a uh, Carfax-like um, information on the car that I had never heard of? So I said, what, well, what is that? He goes, well, it's like Carfax. And I said, well, I could send you a Carfax. I have one of those. But he says, no, 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 I want this. So I started, you know, getting a little weary about it. And I went on to the website that he had sent me. And it was like a Carfax website, but it was about half the price. And uh, so then I started, you know, looking at it. I said, well, I'm not going to go on there and give him my credit card and get one of his uh, his vehicle inspections. So uh, I went and, you know, checked the website out online. And it turned out to be kind of shaky. And, you know, I think it was legit. But, you know, there's a lot of people that said they had problems with it. So I went back and said, no, I'm sorry. I, uh, I can't do that. I, I think you're scamming me. <laughs> I never, I never heard from him after that. But uh, yeah, so I this never, let, I, I never got that far. All right, so let me tell you uh, a little bit of background. This first came on the radar of law enforcement last year, and uh-huh. so there are a number of wrinkles with this, where the buyer engages with you, supposed buyer, and they tell you that they want a vehicle title history report. They reject whatever title history report you already have available, like you had one from the most recognized brand, Carfax. They tell you they want it from this particular one, and unfortunately a lot of them are actually scam sites. And so you know what they're getting out of it? Uh, what do you think the most common thing is they're getting out of it through this scam? Well, I, I just thought they'd get your credit card number. And then you got it. Yep, yep. That is the yeah. most common thing they'll get is uh, they get your credit card number. And but I so, can see how somebody would do it. You know, it's twenty. It was, I think, $20 cheaper than the other uh, company. So there are a number of angles on this. One that the FTC speculated on is that these are actually sites that they use for lead generation to try to get uh, information about you or your car or whatever, uh, try to get you to advertise with them. There are, there are angles anywhere from stealing your credit card information to basically getting your personal information to try to sell you something else. But yeah, in well, no case... There, there's no tried every ca- single one of them. They tried every single one of them on me, but I've heard of all the others. This one I hadn't heard of yet. Well, this is what's so great about your call is that you're giving an early warning to anybody selling their own vehicle, which people do in such large numbers. You know, about I think it's about twenty percent of vehicles people instead of trading them in, they sell them themselves. And you just got to know that there are scamsters out there that will try to take advantage of you. And this thing with telling you you have to use their particular car vehicle title history service, that is a key tip-off for you to not walk away from that potential supposed buyer 
but to run and run very quickly. Shannon's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Shannon. Hi, Clark. I appreciate you taking my call, and I wanted to thank you and your team for the service that you provide. Well, you're kind to say that. So you got a you got a airline ticketing nightmare, huh? Yes, we had planned a family vacation for our family of four to Colorado in June. And due to some extenuating circumstances, my adult son cannot make the trip. So I don't know if there's any way that I could negotiate with the airlines for a refund or a voucher for future travel. And also, I don't know if I need to alert them if that one of our party is not going to be on the flight. If you're all booked is, uh, you said how many people on the trip? Four. And were you all booked on the same reservation? Yes. So you do need to tell the airline that one of you is not going. And okay. they're, they're not going to give you any money back. Sure. But is there any chance that the credit card you use to purchase the tickets has any kind of coverage that comes with it? Yes. It is one of your favorites that you recommend. Ah, well, you should see, go to, go to the credit card website and see if they have any trip cancellation or trip uh, interruption coverage included with the credit card. I did not even think of that. That is a great idea. And that's something I recommend because, you know, all airlines except Southwest make tickets non-refundable, non-changeable, and charge those massive junk fees. And yes. so... Uh, using a credit card that just is using it by using it to purchase the tickets gets you the free travel coverage is really useful. Now, it doesn't cover any reason, any circumstances. The, each card has its own covered circumstances. But okay. otherwise, how much was the ticket for each of you? It wasn't too bad. It was under $300 each. Yeah, but walking away from... $300, that's a lot of money to walk away from. It is. It is. So I didn't want to walk away from it. And I also didn't want to be um, dinged, you know, from the airlines if one of our party couldn't make it. So as long as you say that, you know, we can just notify them that they won't charge us because one of our party is not going to make it, then that's good. Yeah. So there's no, the, the people who are going to, three out of four of you that are taking the trip, as long as you yeah. show up when you're supposed to, you fly out and back when you're supposed to, you're fine. Now, you said 300 Now, what's interesting about that is on, uh, is this on one of the three full fare airlines, American United Delta? Yes. All right. So with them, there's a $200 penalty for not using a ticket unless it's that, um, that uh, discount coach, uh, for lack of a better term, that they call basic economy, in which case it doesn't matter why you don't come, you lose all the money. Okay, it is basic economy. All right, so that money is toast unless there's a covered circumstance with a credit card used. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate this advice. I wish I had better news and easier answer for you. Well, you've given me hope, so um, <laughs> we'll take it from there. Okay, and again... This is the big advantage of flying Southwest Airlines is that if you can't take a trip, it doesn't cost one cent to have use of that money for up to one year, that there's no penalties 
for change or cancellation at all. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Richard's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Richard, you've been paying premiums in good faith on a long-term care insurance policy, and your insurer has just sent you a notice about how much they love you. What does that love note say? <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not the kind of love note I was hoping for. Uh I think I think it was they're doubling my premiums. And this is after having gone up another 50% before. So I'm I'm really feeling at this point or wondering am I throwing bad money after good or good money after bad? I I never know how to say that. Yeah, good money after bad. So the deal is your insurer for long-term care Uh, reported a $6 billion loss on those policies and expects to lose another $15 billion on them. Ah. So they really messed up when they sold you the long-term care policy and everybody else they sold them to. They way uh, underpriced them. They didn't realize how many people would make claims against them and how long they would be getting payouts for long-term care and because sure. the premiums aren't guaranteed, odds are that this is just one in a series of premium increases they're going to throw your way. Can I ask how old you are? Yeah, I'm 57. And how's your health? Excellent. And, you, uh, and I've, I've had this. I think the big question that comes to my mind is really this sort of sense of I've been paying this thing for 15 years now. To quit now feels like... Uh, um, it just feels like all of that investment will be thrown away. And, and you're right. You're right. This is one of those circumstances where bad things have happened to good people. You were taking care of yourself, you thought, you know, in your early 40s buying this. Here you are in your late 50s, and they're just shredding your wallet. And that is the reality that you would face if you do stay in it. And since your health is good, and that's why I asked that question, you may be better off. Make it uh, shop around, see what you can get for a policy from a new company. Now, the benefits won't be as generous, but the premiums may be more reasonable. Rather than holding out hope for something you may not actually need for thirty years from now. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.